Amen, amen, and uh, I hope that, like uh, Bob said, I hope that that is the prayer of your heart today, uh, for the Lord to have every single bit of you, Uh, and I don't know what's holding you back, but I hope that after this, you have an opportunity to give Him your entire life, and uh, and let Him do with you what He wants uh, to do with you. Well, listen, it is so good to see you uh, today, and uh, if you're excited to be at church, can you say amen today? And I'm so glad that, uh, that you are here, and uh, we have a, a little bit of just, I mean, it's cold weather out there, right? And uh, how many of you love this weather? You're just like all in on the cold weather? You like the cold weather? Okay, there's a few of us in here. And uh, how many of you are ready for this to go bye-bye in a very quick hurry, okay? I'm, I'm with you, I understand, and uh, I, like some, I like a little bit of cold weather every now and then, and, uh, but it was, it was flat out cold this morning, and, uh, but I appreciate you guys being here in the midst of, uh, of our, our winter, uh, winter wonderland, I guess you could call it, today. Why don't you look to your neighbor and say, glad you made it, uh, despite the cold. And, uh, well, listen, I am glad that you're here, and uh, I appreciate you being in our service today. Hey, if we have not met before, I would love the opportunity to meet you, and I know we have new families popping in each and every week, and so if you have not, uh, if we have not had a chance to connect, I would love to do that. My name is Josh, and I'm the pastor here at Union Grove, and it is my delight just to say thank you for being here. We recognize you could have been in a hundred different places, and you chose to worship with us today, and we are so, so grateful for that, and we do not count that likely, and so I hope today uh, you have a chance to feel at home and uh, connect with some people here, and uh, we just want you to know we love you and we appreciate you being uh, with us. Well, if you have your Bible today, and I hope that you do, uh, if you can, turn to Ephesians chapter number 4 today. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible or something like that, it'll be up on the screens uh, to kind of help us follow along uh, this morning, Uh, but Ephesians chapter number 4 uh, Ephesians chapter number four, and uh, I'll say this: we are uh, in the middle of a series entitled "Priorities." Uh, titled "Priorities." Let's all say that word together: Priorities. And uh, we're in the middle of this series, and uh, it's really a New Year's uh, series that we've been in here in the at the beginning of 2024. And uh, I don't know how many of you feel about resolutions or goals and different things like this, but I do think that anytime you turn the page on one year and you go into a new year, it is an opportunity for us to kind of realign some priorities in our life, rethink about some different things. And so we are looking at some priorities in our, in our relationship with the Lord uh, that will help you grow in that relationship with God. And priorities are not anything new to us us, right? Uh, Many of you, how many of you are married in here? Raise your hand, okay? And uh, for you to have a successful uh, marriage, you have to prioritize some things with your spouse, right? Okay, okay, that's when you're supposed to say amen or something, all right? And uh, but if you're a if you're a parent uh, in this place, right, you you understand to be a successful parent uh, and have a relationship with your kids, you have to prioritize things with, with your children. And so I say that priorities are, are nothing new. If you want to be a good employee, you better, you, know, uh, you better prioritize your job and your career and things like that. Priorities are not new to anybody in here. But what I want you to understand is that just like all of those relationships with your kids, with your, with your spouse, at your job, just like those, here, here's what's true in your spiritual life. You cannot expect to thrive in your relationship with God without prioritizing that relationship. 
Does everybody understand that? You cannot expect to thrive in your relationship with God without prioritizing that relationship. In other words, you're not just going to wake up one day and just say, wow, I have such a strong relationship with God. It's going to take you prioritizing things in your life. Week number one of the series, we looked at the priority of the Word. That's where we instituted a Bible reading plan. I appreciate Pastor David talking about that here today. If you've kind of slipped in and you're like, hey, I would love to be a part of that so that I can have a plan so that I can be in God's Word each and every day, you can pick one up out in the Welcome Center uh, here today. But that was week number one. Week number two, last week, was the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer of daily spending time alone with God, not only reading His Word, but also praying uh, to Him. And today, we're going to look at this, the priority of generosity. The priority of generosity. Now, I want you to know up front, anytime we hear the word generosity, we immediately think that this is going to be a sermon about money, Right? We just think that this is going to be a sermon about money. I want you to know if that's you today and you're kind of already, you know, zipped up your Bible cover or whatever and you kind of shut your Bible and you're like ready to head out. This pastor just talks about money all the time. If that's you here today, I want you to relax that, listen, it's not a, it's not a sermon about money. In fact, the scripture talks about generosity and it always has much more to do with your whole life than it does about money. It has much more to do about all of you, every part of your life. And so as we talk about this idea of generosity, I want you to think as followers of Jesus, we must be generous with our time, our talent, and our, our treasure. And so we're going to look at this from Ephesians chapter number 4. The Apostle Paul is writing to a real church, a church much like this church, it's an actual church. Sometimes when you see these letters, you might sometimes think that this is just, you know, the universal church or, and things like that. Now, this is a real church there in Ephesus, and he writes this letter to him. In fact, the it's one of my favorite books in Scripture, and, and if you haven't studied the book of Ephesians, you should, uh, because it really gives you such a description of the gospel. In fact, the entire book is about the gospel and living out the gospel in your life. It's about how when the gospel comes into your life and changes, changes you, you have a complete new identity. You have a complete new identity. You are a new creation. And so the first few chapters of the book talk all about the gospel. Ephesians chapter 2, we all could probably quote the first four or five verses of that because it's probably the best description of who you were before Jesus and what Jesus has done for you and what you look like after Jesus comes into your life. And so he transitions, though, in chapter number 5, and he talks about, uh, about how, because, or in chapter 4, rather, about how the gospel that saved you is now, chapter 4, 5, and 6, is going to be on display in how you live, in how you live. And that's what he says here. Let's pick it up, verse number 1. Uh, he says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord. Now remember, we know this, that anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, it's a reminder that you need to realize that he is, he's taking and connecting everything that he has said up to this point with what he is about to say. And so we don't have time to really look at chapters 1, 2, and 3, but here's what you need to know. It's all about the gospel. It's all about what Jesus has done for you and how Jesus died 
for you so that you could live, okay? He talks about how we were dead, and because of Jesus, we are alive in him. Because of all of that, what he's about to challenge the church to do should should change you. He says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beg you or beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Then he goes on, verse number two, with all lowliness, meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, of peace. In other words, what he's saying is because of the gospel, there is a life that you should live. Because if Jesus truly changed your life and he truly came into your life to change you, then there is a response that comes from that. And and, and I want you to be very clear. I want to be very clear with you. It's not the response and the work that saves you. Does everybody understand that? It's not that that saves you. Okay, It's not. Jesus saved you by his grace. All you have to do is accept the free gift of eternal life that comes into your life. And so that's salvation. But those that are, what he's trying to get at is those that are truly saved are going to walk this way. Those that truly know Jesus are going to do what, what he's saying because it is an overflow outwardly of something that has happened inwardly. So he says, verse number four, there's one body. He begins to say, okay, you're supposed to walk worthy, and here's what it looks like. And he begins to use this analogy. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of of Christ. In other words, what he's about to say is, hey, God now lives in you. He, he's been given to, to you. You see that here, verse number 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto, unto men. This is a direct response to Psalm chapter 68 in the Old Testament, and he's bringing it up here. In other words, what he's referencing is, is the prophetic verse in Psalm chapter 68 about the coming indwelling Spirit of God. Remember Acts chapter 2, uh, when all the everybody was gathered for Pentecost, and, and they were all gathered for this Jewish feast, and what happens? The Spirit of God comes and indwells the believer for the very first time. In other words, that when Jesus was here, when he ascended up into heaven, right, he said that there's a promise that's going to come. God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And what happens is Jesus went to heaven and he now lives through the Spirit in those that have been born again. Okay, And and here's what Paul's saying. Because of that, those who are saved have the indwelling Spirit of God. And because of that indwelling spirit of God, it is going to be lived out in the way that they live. Verse number nine. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And then here's where it makes all the difference. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children 
tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Verse number 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Okay? So, so here's, the, here's the point. So he, he really, there is a ton to unpack here. And, uh, and I want to be as clear as I, as I possibly can and, uh, and to help everybody. This is always a challenge for me when I get up to preach on Sunday morning because we have uh, seven, you know, ages all over the place from teenagers all the way up. We have some kids in the room. And, and then also we, we have different people on different stages of, of their spiritual journey, and I get that. And so I want to be as clear as I possibly can and bring clarity to what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. So, so walk with me. So he's saying first few chapters of Ephesians, the gospel that changed us, that saved us, that keeps us, okay? That gospel, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, the gospel, you now, if you've trusted Jesus, if you're born again in this place, you have the indwelling spirit of God. You have a part of God inside of you, indwelling you, is what he's saying. Because of that, you have now been gifted, not because of you, but because of who lives inside of you. You've been gifted spiritually. We call these spiritual gifts, okay? Every single one of us that know Jesus in here, you have been given a spiritual gift in your life to use that to further the kingdom that God wants to establish. That's the challenge. But Paul, and I love the Apostle Paul because he's so direct, He's so direct. Here's what what he's saying here is he's basically equating this question. Can you grow in Christ and be a good Christian without actively being involved in your local church? That's the question he's proposing. And it's an emphatic no. It's an emphatic no. He's saying this, that you cannot say that, man, I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus, and and I'm actively growing, but be disconnected from the body and what he's trying to do in the local church. And and he goes as far to say, and you see it in a a couple uh, verses here, his challenge is, is he's saying those who say that they're Christians, those who say, I've been born again, Those who say, yeah, I got the indwelling Spirit of God, but do not exercise their gift, he says two times, verse number 14, he says, don't be like children. And then he goes on in verse number 15, he's challenging them to grow up. In other words, he's saying that those who say that they're Christians and those who say they have the indwelling Spirit of God, those who have been born again, but do not use their gifts for the furtherance of the gospel, He's saying that they need to grow up. Now, that's pretty in your face, isn't it? When I read this, I was like, Lord, how how are we going to talk about this? And his challenge is for all of us, and if I was to tell you anything, if you're in here today and you're kind of on the sideline of what what God is doing and, and you're not exercising whatever gift that he's blessed you with for the furtherance of the gospel, my challenge is to you, and remember, don't get mad at me. I want you to read this, and I want you to allow the word. I'm not the one that has the power. The power lies in the book that we're reading. Here's the thing. The challenge is this. I want you to grow up. 
I want you to grow up. I want you to, to grow up. That's his admonition here. And, and think of it like life, right? I mean, I, I have kids, so I have two kids, and, and uh, we all tell our kids to grow up all the time, right? Does it, how many of you as parents say that a lot to your kids? Anybody in here? Is it just my family? So we say that all the time. I'm always saying the phrase, grow up, right? Or me- maybe you say it this way, act your age, right? Act your age. Nobody, the reason why we say that is nobody likes an adult that acts like a kid, Right? How many of you know somebody that's an adult that acts like a kid? Okay. All right. Don't, don't nudge the person next to you. I saw a couple of you. Okay. Don't do that. But here's what I'll tell you is like we, we see this from time to time. This last A couple years ago, I guess now, um, my son plays in these community um, sports programs. And so we were playing basketball. It was our first go at basketball a couple years ago. So we were playing in Arcadia, and, and uh, they had scheduled us to play. I guess we were at Midway or, or Welcome or something like that. And so, uh, so we, were, um, we were at this gym, and so we were sitting there, and, and, um, and the whole time there was a guy behind us that was just, have you ever sat at a game and, and, uh, and you sat next to somebody that's just super, super obnoxious, you know what I'm saying, just never stops and just talks the whole time and just like he's kind of getting under everybody's skin and, and nobody has the guts to kind of say, hey, chill out or anything like that, right? So, we, well, we sat right in front of this guy and, and, uh, and there was a man next to me and his son was on our team as well and the guy behind me um, had a son on the other team. Okay, and so uh, so we were there, and um, and so it was getting kind of heated, you know, and and um, our team was just blowing a lead like terrible, and 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 we were just, I mean, we were up by like nine points, and and kids basketball, that's like that's a lot, and so you're not coming back from a nine point deficit in like five and six year old basketball, and so so it's like one of those things, and and so we had a lead, well we were blowing it, we were just turning the ball over, and they started scoring, and and they were coming back, and so they took the lead on it, so our fans, we were all mad and everything else, well this guy behind me still hasn't stopped talking or whatever, well little did I know that the guy behind me and, and the guy next to me, remember they're on opposing teams, uh, opposing teams' parents, I had no idea that they apparently had a history from high school together, okay? And by the way, for some of you who have grown up in Davidson County, this is a big deal to you guys. I'm learning, okay? And, uh, and here's what, what I learned. And so the guy next to me, he finally, we kind of had blown the game. There's about 30 seconds left. And I'll never forget this because, I mean, Abby and I were new to this. We're kind of brand new. And Cameron had never played basketball before in this league. And so this guy next to me turned around, and he called the guy by name. He said, would you, and I can't remember his name, he said, shut up like that. And I was like, whoa. I was like, <laughs> I work in a church. We don't talk this way to people. And, and so he said, and, and the guy behind me, he called him by name. He's like, kid you not, two grown men. This guy behind me said, you're just mad about what happened and it's called the grade out, like 11th grade. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh boy, this is intense. And so they begin to, they begin to, and Abby and I are just kind of sitting there and, and you know, there's a part of us, the mature side is kind of like, hey, we need to leave this. We need to be the bigger person. But the immature part of me is like, all right, let's get this going. I like it. <laughs> 
And so, so there was this whole thing there, and, and so they, they were mad. And I mean, kids, you know, here's where it ended. The game ended, so we get up, and we're going to go over there. And, and the kids don't care that the game ended because they're getting juice and crackers at the end and stuff like that. And so they don't matter, but parents are mad. Here's how it ended between these two guys. The one guy said, hey, I'll be waiting for you by your car. Kid you not. And I, th- I thought we were in a movie. And so we were leaving. And, uh, and so when we were leaving, I'll never forget, Abby was like, come on, let's go. And I'm kind of awkwardly standing around. I'm kind of like, I kind of want to see what happens. <laughs> so, but here's what I'm saying. I remember leaving there and us getting in the car and thinking, these guys are acting like kids. They're acting like, like children. They're like so immature. And we got to thinking, and here's the point. I know that's a silly, silly story, but I would say this is like the point that Paul was trying to bring out here in Ephesians chapter 4 is those who say, hey, I've been born again, I've been changed, I have the indwelling spirit of God, but they're not exercising any of their gifts. He would say that they, those people that are doing that, are acting immature and acting like, like kids in their faith. So his challenge and admonition for all of us is to grow up. And here's the big idea of what he's trying to say is this. The best way to determine spiritual maturity is not in how much you know. It's how much you serve those around you. Now, we, we look at life differently, right? We look at, man, spiritual maturity, it's all up here. It's got to be in how much you know. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not downplaying that. I think we should study the Bible. I think we should grow in our knowledge of Scripture. You should know more now than you did last year at this time in your faith. You should be growing. But what Paul's trying to challenge the church at Ephesus is this, is that the true test of spiritual maturity, it's not all up here. Because there's a lot of people, and I've met a lot of people, that have a ton of knowledge. A ton of knowledge about the Bible but they're not acting any of it out. They're not serving the people around them. They're not exercising the gifts that God has placed in them. And that's the big idea of what Paul is trying to say. He's saying those that are spiritually mature are going to know their spiritual gift and where God has blessed them with, and they're going to use it for the further furtherance of the kingdom. So for a few moments, I want to talk about being generous with your life through serving and giving of yourself. The first thing I want you to see is the source of spiritual gifts. The source of spiritual gifts. He mentions a couple of things here in verse number two. The gospel, it, it produces humility. So you see here that he talks about lowliness and, and meekness, right? And these words are, are all about humility. And, and the point that he's saying is the reason why we have gifts in our life, the reason why we have th- this gifted is because of what Jesus has done inside of us. And so in other words, all of these are character traits of Jesus that have now been birthed inside of you, not because of you, because remember, you're, on your very best day, the scripture says that all you can bring before him are filthy rags. We have no good in us, okay? So the only thing good in you is only placed there because of the righteousness of Jesus that have been placed into your life. And so the point is, he says, the gospel produces humility in us. We see that in Jesus. Remember Philippians chapter 2. Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, 
and was made in the likeness of men. You see it again, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, what did he do? Yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? So that you, right, through his poverty might be rich. The point is, because Jesus was humble, he now produces, the gospel produces humility in you. Not only does the gospel, the source of, of your giftedness, not only does it make you humble, but it produces patience. He goes on to say long-suffering. You see, Jesus was, was patient. Some words that we use to describe our Lord and Savior, long-suffering, or, or you've seen it in Scripture, he is slow to anger. Or how about this? He, he's patient when he says he's not willing that any should perish, right? But that all should come to repentance. You see, he's patient with us. And when you realize that he's been patient with you, it produces that in you. He goes on, he says, not only does the gospel produce patience and humility, but he also says in verse number three, the gospel produces unity in you. Let me just say this, that if you're in here today and you love confrontation and conflict, you do not understand the gospel. You do not understand the gospel. Because what the Apostle Paul is saying is that because, remember verse number one, therefore, because of the gospel has changed us, now you're going to, verse number three, endeavor to keep. That word endeavor, it carries on the idea of maintaining. In other words, you're going to fight to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, those who truly understand the gospel, those that have been saved because of the gospel, they're not going to be the ones that love conflict. They're actually going to be the ones that war against conflict. They're the ones that get it, not the ones that run around looking for confrontation. You know people like that, right? We all do. We know people that, that they find themselves in conflict and confrontation all the time. And here's what's true of a lot of people like that. It's always the people around them's fault. Always, right? They find themselves, and you're kind of like, who's going to tell them, hey, weren't you in this same conflict last month? Weren't you in this same issue a year ago? Didn't you have problems with the, and it's a, it's a trail. The point is what Paul's saying is that the gospel that saved us, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3. That gospel, what it does in your heart is it changes you to where now you don't love conflict. You don't love confrontation. Now you're warring against it. You're maintaining and endeavoring to keep the unity. Are you still with me, by the way? Okay, you haven't left me, haven't tuned me out, right? You haven't started Googling local restaurants that you can go to here in a few minutes, okay? All right, so the gospel produces unity in us. It produces patience in us. It produces humility in us. But the gospel then produces giftedness or spiritual gifts in us by grace. You see this, verse number 7, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verse number 11, and he gave, and, and there's a list here of, of giftedness that that he's blessed us with. There's a couple different passages in the New Testament that you can see how these gifts are. But here's what I, I want you to understand. And, and uh, for the few moments that we have left, we're going to talk real specific about gifts. And I want you to open up your heart about where God has gifted you today and how you should be using that gift. Think of it like this. You know, I'm a sports guy. I love sports. And so a lot of times I, I think about things in, in that mindset 
Uh, have you ever watched like a basketball game, right? And, and you watch a basketball game and there's like one player that does everything, have you seen that, right? Where it's just like a, we would call him a ball hog possibly, or we would call him this, like a one-man show on that team because he does, he does everything and he fills the need. I want you to know this, that church, a local church, we'll be very, very specific, Union Grove Baptist Church, this and everything that we do here, it's not a one-man show. The church is not a one-man show. It is not about me. It's not. It's not about me. In fact, what he's saying is this, is that the whole church, the local church, it's, it's a body. It's a team. It's a team of people where everyone is carrying their own weight and everyone is serving and using their gifts to serve within the body. That's his challenge. That's what he's saying. He's saying that those who have accepted Jesus, trusted in the gospel, the good news of the gospel, it has changed you. You now have been gifted the Holy Spirit inside of you. And now he's challenging those who have been Christians, grow up. And the way that we grow up is we serve and we utilize the gifts that God has blessed us with in the local, local New Testament church. You say, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, the Apostle Paul, he answers that question. In fact, he gives us a perfect outline. As a Baptist preacher, I don't have to really come up with an outline here. He gives it to us. All right, He says the purpose of, of gifts. He, he gives you the exact reason. It's found in verse number 12 and 13. And there's several things. The first purpose for why he's gifted you is this. For the perfecting of the saints. That's the first reason you've been given a gift. For the perfecting of the saints. You say, what in the world is, what is, what does that mean? The word perfecting means equipping. Or it can work, mean maturity. In other words, gifts mature us and they mature those around us. They mature the people around you. In other words, what he's trying to say when he says for the perfecting of the saints is he's saying this, that when you exercise your gifts, it helps others grow. Does everybody understand that? In other words, I grow in a lot of different ways, but I grow in some ways because of you exercising your, your spiritual gift in my life. That, that's, the, that's the point. And so that's what he's trying to say, uh, say here. In other words, like, I come to know God better through your gift. And, and your gift is to help everyone around you know God better. So when you choose to not exercise your gift, you're really robbing what God wants to do in the people around you because you refuse to grow up in your spiritual life. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he's trying to say for the perfecting of the saints. Let me illustrate it to you, uh, to you this way. Is, um, a lot of you, and I can, I can say this of so many of you, and so I don't want you to think I'm trying to single anybody else um, or anybody out in here, but I really want you to understand the point of why we've been, why we've been gifted. Pastor Bailey, can you come up here for me? And I want to just I want to illustrate this uh, to you so that you can see how this actively works in my life. You guys can... 
uh, or you can come on up here. Uh, Pastor Bailey, and he has a lot of spiritual gifts, right? And, and here's what I want you to understand is that everybody in here is gifted in different ways. That's the beauty of, of the local church, by the way. Everybody's gifted. So as we look at this, I don't want you to think, wow, I wish I was gifted like that person. No, listen, God's given you a gift, and it's a beautiful gift, and he's given it to you by his grace and because of the gospel at work in you. And now if you exercise and figure out what that gift is and you use it, what happens around you is a, is a beautiful thing. Pastor Bailey has two specific spiritual gifts, okay? And I know this because he, he's told me and I see it. And I sent some text out this week or yesterday because I wanted to prove this point to you today because I can see it in his life. He has two specific gifts. The first one is encouragement. How many of you ex have experienced that? Okay. The second one is the gift of helps. He wants to help. Okay. And, and so for me, you take me, you know, I moved up here a couple of years ago, start working with Pastor Bailey. I already knew Pastor Bailey, but I start working with him. Here's what I found is that I, in two years, I was looking at this yesterday and evaluating my life. I have found that on so many different times, in fact, we had one conversation about this this week where I was frustrated and I was discouraged and I was down. And sometimes when I'm discouraged, I say some things that I don't really mean. How many of you are like that, okay? And you need someone in your life that has the gift of encouragement. And guess what? I left there, I was encouraged. I was more, he, he showed me some things because he was exercising his gift that helped me grow in that moment. You see, when he exercises his gift, it does something in me, okay? Tony Boyd, where are you at? Can you come here? Where's Tony at? Tony's right on the front row. Perfect. We didn't have this planned, I promise. Okay, Tony, I want you to come here. So Tony, I remember this, is um, when I came to candidate here a, couple, a few years ago, Tony told me, in, and I'll never forget it, he probably doesn't even remember this, we were eating lunch down there, and I was getting to know everybody and kind of figuring this thing out and stuff. And Tony said, if God ends up calling you here, here's what I, I want you to know. He's like, I'd be happy to help you in any way. So a couple of years ago, I was like, hey, I'm going to take him up on that. So I asked Tony, I said, Tony, I'd love for you to meet with me on a regular basis, and I'd love for you to help me grow. Here's what Tony's spiritual gift is. Teaching. Okay, And so I want you to know that outside of my personal Bible study as a pastor, my personal time in God's Word studying, here's what I'll tell you. I have learned as much about this book out of my personal study from Tony. We're in conversations all the time. We do breakfasts together. And here's what I always come back with. I learned something new about God and about His Word because Tony chose, I'm going to grow up in my faith, and I'm going to exercise my spiritual gift. And guess what happens? You got one over here. Now I'm learning about God through Pastor Bailey. Now I'm learning about God through Tony. Lomax, come here for just a second. Okay? So Lomax has been a part of these conversations as well. Okay? And Lomax is gifted in a lot of ways. You know what one of his main gifts is this? And this is not going to blow your mind, but this is true. He has several of them. But one of his main gifts, you know what it is? Evangelism. Okay? You can't be around Lomax long enough before you hear a little bit of a plan of salvation. 
Sometimes he shares the gospel with me, and I'm like, well, Max, I've made that decision. I'm your pastor. (laughs) And here's what I want you to know. Evangelism. You know what I'm reminded about? Every time I'm with Lomax, every time I'm with him in my life, is that here's what I'm learning. I learn more about the mission of why Jesus came to begin with. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I can't spend more than two minutes with Lomax without hearing about that and without being challenged to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see what's happening? Spiritual gift, God blessed him with that. By God's grace, he implanted a gift into Pastor Bailey, and now I'm learning about God through Pastor Bailey. He implanted a spiritual gift because of the Holy Spirit through Lomax. I'm learning now about my God through, through Lomax. I'm learning about my God through, through Tony, okay? Jim Marshall, if you can come up here. I think you're at the back, okay? Jim has also been a part of of this in my life. And remember what I said. I could literally point out so many people in this place that you guys are teaching me, your pastor. You think I'm here to teach you? Guess what? When you exercise your gift, you're teaching me as much as I'm teaching you. So you have, have Jim over here. And Jim's on a different, a different stage of his journey than some guys up here. But here's what I'll tell you. Jim has a gift that is very clear. It's very similar to Pastor Bailey's gift of encouragement. You know what Jim started doing a year and a half ago? Is he started, maybe two years ago? He started coming early on his own. Started coming early before it. Nobody knows this, and I'm not trying to uplift him, so I don't want you to leave here and be like, wow, Jim is just this special thing. I, I think Jim would tell you that what he wants you to leave with is, wow, we have an awesome God. But here's the point. Started showing up early. Like, I mean, and I get here early. He shows up at like 7.30, 7.45 every single morning, and he prays over everything on our campus. And you know what he started doing? He started, and, and I mean, he just, we didn't have a lot of this in our relationship. He started saying, Pastor, I want to put my hand on your shoulder and I want to pray for you every single Sunday. I am learning and growing in my faith because of, because of him exercising his gift. I'm not going to embarrass her because Abby would refuse to come up here if I asked her to. But you know what Abby's gift is? Abby's gift is hospitality. That's what she's very clear. It's so obvious. That's her thing. It's what God has blessed her with. And here's the thing. It's like in our marriage, and I love where God has us because she's able to exercise that gift in so many different ways. And many of you have experienced that gift from her. But here's what I'll tell you. Is that I learn as much about why God came and the mission of why he came through Abby using her her gift. Here's the point. He says, when we all, every single one of you that are born again in here, when you use your gift, it matures the saints around you. That's the point. And here's what's a shame. Is there there's some of you in here? You're not using your gift. God's given you something specific in your life for the person next to you. God's given you something specific in your heart for the people around you. God's given you something specific in your life for the community in which we live. And so many churches are built around one man behind a pulpit. 
and they think that's the way the local New Testament church should be run. No, here's what it is. It's when every single one of us, we should be able to bring every single one of you up to this platform, and we should be able to do the very same thing. And all of us should be able to see and see how God is using individuals to grow and mature our faith. You guys can have a seat. Do do you understand it? Do you get it? That's the point. So my challenge, grow up. Because when you grow up and start using the way that God has gifted you, it perfects the saints. But the second thing he does is this, for the work of the ministry, verse number 12. He says the second purpose for gifts, the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. You say, what in the world does that mean? I'm not called to ministry. That's pastor's job. That's the pastoral staff. They're the ones that have called to ministry. I'm not called to ministry. Listen, I want you to understand something. Church, and and this is going to rub some of you the wrong way. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. Anytime you have to segue with that, you know that, hey, just buckle up. Church is not supposed to be ran by the pastors. I know some of you, like in our... Country Baptist churches, like, that makes us a little uneasy. You know, pastor's supposed to do everything. Pastor's supposed to do this. Pastor's supposed to... The ministry, I mean, I, I mean, show, show me after the service a different interpretation of this, but the ministry should be run by the saints. The ministry should be run. I don't see anything here that the pastors are the ones who do all of the work of the ministry. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that I get to just... Play golf five days a week, okay? I mean, if you want me to, I will. Like, I'll do it. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I just kind of sleep in and everything's fine. No, here's what I'm saying, though. The actual work of the ministry, it shouldn't be, and I know most of you come to us all the time, you know, Pastor Bailey, I got an idea. Pastor David, I got an idea. Pastor Josh, I got an idea. We should do this. Then do it. Do it. I don't know why my voice just keeps going high. <laughs> but, but grow up. The point is, is here we are to use our gifts for the work of the ministry. I heard one pastor say it this way. In a lot of ways, when he became a pastor, he left the ministry. And now as a pastor, you know what my job is? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. My job now is to equip you to do the work of the ministry in the local church and in our community. That's the point. So I want to tell you this. Take your gift and serve the church and the community around you. Go all in on it. He goes on, verse number 12. So for the perfecting of the saints, work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, gifts are given to us to encourage and lift the body of Christ. Let me ask you this question. Who is being built up, edified, because of your gift? Who is it? Who in the local church, who in the community is being built up and edified because you have grown up in your faith and decided to use your gift? And then he says in verse number 13, the result of all of that, when all of us are using our gifts to serve the church, it's such a beautiful thing. And he says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. He he says that the result of all of it is unity. 
I'm grateful that we have a unified church. Listen, I want to war against anything that tries to come in and tear this church apart. It does not mean that we can't have differing opinions. That's fine. But here's what it does mean. Is that if you find yourself bickering and complaining and fighting and gossiping about other people in this church and different things, you are part of the problem. That's what he's saying. And he's saying this, that in a local New Testament church, we, if we're exercising our gifts, because of the gospel at work in our heart, we should endeavor and strive to maintain to stay unified. So you say, what does this, what does this mean for us? Listen, I'm grateful for our church. We have some deeply committed people, don't we? I'm thankful. We have people who have served, I mean, in our kids' ministry for 40-plus years. That's a pretty amazing thing. We have people that serve every single week in the preschool ministry, in the nursery, in different areas. And I'm grateful for them, right? It makes us be able to pay attention a little bit easier in this place, right? We're thankful for it. I'm thankful that I have, that I have people... Small group leaders on Wednesday nights who are, who are investing in my kids and trying to come alongside of us while we try to parent my kids and teach them to grow up to love Jesus with all of their heart. And we have people coming around us and investing of their time. It's a lot. It's not easy. They lose a night during the week. And, and we have all of that, and I'm thankful for it. I couldn't help but think even, and I don't want to single them out or, or play on emotion, but I was thinking even about the song that the choir sang today, Thank You. And, and listen, I know this on a personal level. That wasn't easy for Lori to do. And you want to know why? It's because several months ago, Archie walked up, and I don't know what heaven's all going to be like, but, but Lori's dad showed up in heaven, and there was probably a lot of what we just sang about that happened up there because of that. People that he influenced over the years in the local church, and, and, and you know, when he shows up and visitation and visiting people and all this stuff for so many years of his life, there's no telling the difference that it made with people that are in heaven when he showed up there. You see, the point is, is we don't ever know what hangs in the balance of us deciding to step out and use the gift that God has blessed us with. The mission is so much more than you coming every single week and filling a seat when the doors are open. The mission is so much more than that. It's about applying and going and serving and obeying whatever God has told us to do here. It's not about age. It's not about ability. I tell students all the time, our young people, listen, this church is not a church that you get to be a part of when you become a, an adult or when you be, get married or something like that. No, for teenagers, I want you to know that you are gifted by God, and if you're a Christian in this place, God has given you a gift. You too can serve in the local church. I was so encouraged to hear this this week when I was kind of preparing this and I was asking some questions. We have so many students that, we don't even, that you don't even realize that are on a rotation basis that are serving in our preschool. Some of them are down there right now while we're in here preaching. They are making a difference and using that. Listen, it's not about age and it's not even about ability. You might be in here and be like, man, I don't even know if I have any abilities or whatever. Let me tell you this. You've got a God-given gift inside of you. Not because of you, but by the grace that has been bestowed upon you. And that gift, we need to find out what it is. 
And we need to use it because somebody in this church, somebody in this community needs it. So use it. Today, I want to give you, in this series, we have had a next step. You know, week number one was a Bible reading plan. We put some time of prayer in our service last week. I wanted to give you a next step today of of how can you directly apply this? How can you apply this idea, okay, we need to find our gifts and we we need to use them. Listen, there are so many opportunities for you to exercise your gift in this local church for this community. And we need every single one of you. You say, Pastor, I'm too old. Listen, there's something for you. I'm so grateful. I'm so encouraged when I hear people that are older, you know, like 40. And (laughs) it's a joke. But when I hear people that are older who are saying, hey, Pastor, God's not done with me yet. Like I think about, I think about this, you know, it was like a year ago, Lomax. I mean, Lomax, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? 73 years old, man. I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Listen, Lomax, 73 years old. You know what he did? I mean, he's a retired missionary. And you know what he did? Like, he should be, him and Linda should be traveling the whole world. They should be just enjoying life, retirement, enjoying it up. You know what he did? He came to me, met with me in my office, set up an appointment, the whole deal. I'm thinking, wow, is Lomax leaving the church? What have I done? And all this kind of stuff. He sits down in my office. I will never forget it. 73 years old. And he said, Pastor, you know what? I just don't feel like I'm doing enough for the kingdom. And if you know Lomax, like what? I almost wanted to say, knock it off. You're doing enough. He sat there. He said, no, Pastor. I just, I got to do more. That's what started the rescue mission, monthly ministry that we're doing downtown. Right? Right? Here's all I'm saying. You can be 75 years old. You can be 80 years old. You can be 12 years old. Age doesn't matter. If you've been saved by God, God has done something in you that our church and our community need. So on on your way out, listen, this is the next step. I'm just going to tell you. If you're a part of our church for any length of time, and you say, man, I'm just kind of serving, just coming in every Sunday, sitting on a seat, and that's my life, and that's my church experience, and I'm not really doing anything beyond that. I want to give you an opportunity on your way out today to change that. My challenge and admonition, Paul's for you, hey, grow up. It's time that you get off the sideline and you get into the game of what God wants to do in you where you can use your gift to further the people around you. You say, what do you have for us around here? There's a bunch of different things. There's a bunch of opportunities. We have what we call the production team. And if you're a behind-the-scenes person and you say, man, I just I don't like to do anything up front. I don't like to talk to people. I don't really, you know, that, and there are people that just are like, man, you ask me to be a greeter, you're going to turn everybody away, right? If that's you, okay, we probably don't want to put you at the front door, all right? But here's what I'll tell you, is that there are people behind the scenes that, that help us see things, that, that help us make things look good, that make things sound good, right? We have, you know, in our production team, like things like, I know many of you probably don't even realize this, but we have people that take photos. You say, what's the point in that, right? You know where a lot of people visit our church from? It's because they see things online. Well, we have to have things to put online, 
Like, we have to be ready. We have to do that because we are here for the community around us. There's, there's lighting and audio and video. There's all this stuff happening. There's a live stream that's going out. Many of you, you know, you're, you're a part of that, right? When you're out of town or something and, and, and things like that, you, you experience it. There's people watching right now all over the internet and on the radio. We have people that are sending that out, Right? that are watching that and making sure that everything's trying to sound as good as possible. Maybe today, if, you're, if that interests you in any level, if you're a teenager, an adult, like that might be your next step. You might have heard something and say, well, God's given me a little bit of a gift in that area. Well, then use it because you never know the difference that it's making. I talk to people all the time that show up here for the very first time, and I'll say, how in the world did you hear about us? And they're like, man, I've been watching your services for months. If we didn't have people exercising their gifts and we didn't offer that or whatever, who knows if that person would have ever found us and showed up here. I'm thankful for people in our production team that are are showing up and doing this, and we could use you in that. How about this? Worship. Music. Right? Like maybe, maybe God's given you something here that you can use in your life. Like we have, you know, the choir. And here's what I'll tell you. And this isn't a knock. Our choir is incredible. But there's a lot of people who have served in our choir for a long time. And I'm so thankful for their faithfulness. But if you've slipped in here today, maybe you should jump into what God is doing up here. Like, be a part of it. Like, like that could be something that you could do and, and you could be a part of. And listen, how many of you have been blessed by our music at some point in your life? Raise your hand, okay? Look around you. Keep your hands up for just a second. Look at this. You know how many people have been touched in this place because of people that just decided, hey, I'm going to use my gift and I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to, I'm going to sing praises to God. And now it's like the people in our, in our congregation are learning about God because of people that have said, I'm going to use my gift and I'm going to serve and I'm going to give God the glory because he's blessed me. And you're teaching people about God. Or we have a praise team that, that sings from time to time and that leads us in congregational music. We're always le- looking for more people that can, that can do that. It's important. It's not a one-man show. We're not going to find just four people and say, it's you guys every single week. No, I think it's healthy when we have a rotation of people because all of us are gifted in some way. That's what we have to be using. Maybe it's worship. Maybe you play an instrument. And, and listen, like we, we have instruments up here, but at the end of the day, here's what I want you to understand. It's like if God has given you a gift and you, you love music and you play something, maybe this is the way. You need to bring your guitar or bring whatever you play and be a part of this so that you can be a part of helping people see God every single week. Or how about this? Grove Kids. Grove Kids. Is an, is an opportunity for you. We have tons of different opportunities in our kids' ministry department, right? We have the littlest ones, nursery, the infants, the real little ones. And hey, listen, on a good day, maybe they sleep the whole hour and it's an easy job for you. I don't know. But here's what I'll tell you. I'm thankful for our nursery. I'm thankful for our volunteers. And here's what breaks my heart in a church our size is when I hear in a staff meeting that Diane's struggling to find people to fill the services that we have. A church our size, we can't find enough people to watch kids? Like, what an opportunity. 
nursery, or, or how about preschool? There, there's preschool ministry happening now. There's preschool ministry that's happening every Wednesday night. And, and Heather and her team does such a good job. And every now and then they come in here on Wednesday and we hear songs that they've been learning about our God and verses that they're learning and scripture that is being implanted into their heart. You get what I'm saying? Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Say, man, I don't even like kids. I hardly even like my own kids, right? I hear that from time to time. Listen, be a part of that. If you're a grandparent in here, many of you come to me all the time and you're, you're like just passionate about your grandkids. This is an opportunity for you to implant something into other people. Grow up. Or how about elementary? We have a bunch of volunteers on Wednesday night, and, and Pastor Grady is down there right now preaching the gospel to them, and surely, and they're all doing a great job, but here's what I'll tell you is that a lot of them have to serve every single week and they never get a break. You want to know why? It's because there's a lot of people that are gifted with that gift in this room and you are still willing to sit on the sideline before you go and be a part of what God wants to do in your life and the people around you. Go serve. How about student ministry? i got to get going. I'm going long. I'm passionate about this. Grove Students. I was a youth pastor. I understand what it's like to find people willing to serve with rowdy middle schoolers. I get it. I understand. I have a middle schooler now. Do you believe that, Abby? We got one. It's crazy. I get it. But listen, we have people that are there, and I'm so thankful for people that, that come alongside my children and what I'm trying to teach them at home, and we have people during the week who's investing in my kids and coming alongside of us trying to teach them to love Jesus with all of their heart. What an opportunity for you to be a part of. Or how about hospitality? I talk to new people every single week, people that visit our church, and many of them will say, wow, I was so welcome there. You say, why in the world do they feel that way? Is it our building? Is it the incredible message that the pastor brought. Listen, people don't return because of what I'm saying up here. You know why people return to our church most of the time? It has absolutely nothing to do with me most of the time. It has everything to do with how the people in the parking lot, how the people at the doors, and how the people around this place make them feel. That's the difference. A lot of pastors think that it's up to them to drive home something to where everybody will want to come back. Listen, it's not that. It's that, the people around us. Maybe for some of you need to sign up to be a part of a greeter team. Or we got medical. Heard about a medical emergency in the last couple of weeks that happened in a church. We need people that are prepared for stuff like that. People that are gifted by God to serve people. What an opportunity. Or how about this, security? All that's a part of our hospitality team. We need people. I'm thankful that we, we're secure today. You want to know why? Might be because of the person packing next to you, but not totally. <laughs> Listen, you get that because we're in Davidson County right now. <laughs> but here's what I'll tell you. It's because we have people that are walking around. Aren't you thankful that, that we have people locking doors behind all the awesome kids that are running into our buildings? Keeping us secure. We have ushers. Roger does such a good job every single week making sure that we have ushers in this place. But I guarantee you, Roger's not sitting over there saying, wow, we don't need any more. Got more than we need. 
You know, Roger would love that. Ushers or, or parking lot volunteers. I'm thankful that, I always say it this way, that we want to make people feel at home from the street to the seat. That's what we need all the way from the street. From the moment that they come onto our campus, we want them to feel at home here. We have such an opportunity. Or how about this? Outreach. We have an outreach program here. We go to the rescue mission every single week. We do other outreach things, or every month, I mean, that we go to the rescue mission. There's opportunities there for you. How about helping hands who are helping some of the most vulnerable people in our society? All the time, serving, doing something. If you're in here today and you say, wow, I want to be a part of that. What an opportunity. You might have to give up a Friday night every now and then. But what's the mission of God even worth to you if it's not worth that? How about grief share? You know, one of the things that we don't talk about enough is the amount of people that are being helped on Monday nights in our grief share program. Lose a loved one, they go through grief share, and we have volunteers who are, some of them have experienced loss. And they're going and they're helping people. Every single, yeah, I got to give up a Monday, just not worth it to me. I work really hard. Listen, everybody in this place works hard. Don't make that an excuse for you not using the gift that God has blessed you with. Go all in in ministry and in serving the local church. Here's the point. We have to prioritize it. Every single one of you need to prioritize being generous with your time, talent, and treasure. On your way out today, you might have saw it on the way in. Everything I just referenced right there, all those different teams and stuff, there's tables out there with leaders who want you to join their team. Some of them decorated their table nicely and went crazy and we're making it fun for you. But here's what I'm telling you. If you're a part of this church and you're here and you're not a part of anything that we're doing, today is the day that you get off the sideline and you say, hey, I'm, I'm a certain age. I can't do everything, but I can do something. Teenagers, serve. College students, don't just sit up a every week and sit there and don't do anything. This is an opportunity. I can't stress it enough. We want you to be involved in ministry somewhere. This is a church for you, and you never know what or who is hanging in the balance of your decision to say yes to what God has gifted you to do. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm not going to extend the invitation. I'm going to ask everybody to stand for just a minute. I've gone really long today, and I apologize, but here's what I want you to understand is that if you, if you're a Christian in here, you've been gifted by God. Simple as that. You've been gifted by God. Are you using the gift? You say, Pastor, I'm in here today, and I don't know Jesus. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, the gospel in your life. And you say, Pastor, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, I haven't accepted that. Well, that's where it begins. If that's you today, would you please slip up your hand? But just be honest. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If that's where you are today, hey, listen, I'm here for you. I want to pray for you in my closing prayer today. Say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him as my Savior. That means we're talking to a lot of Christians. What are you doing in the ministry? 
What are you doing for the perfecting of the saints? What are you doing for it? Hey, listen, if you're not a part of anything, today would be the day where I want all of you, I want everybody to, I would love to have dozens of names of people that want to use their gifts, teenagers, college students, adults, senior adults, everybody. I want all of us working together so that we can show the people around us how good our God is, how big he is, and how awesome 